0: Well, this morning, uh, I want to just talk to you a little bit about a, a promotion that we've joined with other churches in the area with. We've joined with them with, for the Portland Date Night Challenge. And so what we want to do is encourage you over the next four weeks to go on four dates. So the month of August, we want you to do four dates the next four weeks. And, uh, you know, your pastors want to encourage healthy marriages. We believe that it's important Uh, that you communicate and uh, we want to encourage you to spend time together alone you know I I think there's great value and I value spending time with my kids and going out and doing fun things as a family but there's also amazing value of just Jenny and I getting alone eye to eye and talking about what God's been doing and what he's going to do in our lives I'd like you to watch this clip that will tell you a little bit more
1: The Date Night Challenge wants to know when was your last date? Maybe two months ago (laughs) Yesterday.
0: Yesterday. Yeah. Yesterday.
1: One of the exciting features of the Date Night PDX experience is the mobile app. In August 2012, you'll be able to find the app by searching for Date Night PDX in your mobile phone app market. The app is filled with exciting resources, like ideas for your date, date night deals, and stuff to talk about. In the Stuff to Talk About section, you'll find fun, relationship-enhancing games. The mission of Date Night PDX is to help couples use dating as a platform for improving communication. The relationship games and the app are one of the most effective tools for delivering on our mission. Imagine how surprised couples will be when they play the games and realize they may have had one of the best conversations they've had in a long time. The app is free, so tell friends about it. It's a great way to reach out to your friends with relationship-enhancing resources. We believe that thousands of couples in Portland, Vancouver, and the metro area will rediscover be the best in each other.
0: You know what an oil change does for the life of your car? And what regular dental visits do for the life of your smile? Do you know what a couple checkup can do for the life of your marriage? So here's an idea. Log on to takethecheckup.com and take the couple's checkup for free. Do something good for your marriage. Take the checkup, get results. A $30 value free. Go to takethecheckup.com for details. takethecheckup.com takethecheckup.com Alright, so those are a couple cool resources that are not available yet. They'll be available the first part of August, and you can watch your bulletin. We'll have some more stuff in there, and this morning I'll tell you a little bit about that uh, as we go. You know, you may think, why, are, why is a pastor talking about people dating? Well, I'll tell you why, because I want your marriage to be good. I don't want it to be lousy. I don't want you to live miserable I want you to live happy. And the best way to, you know, there's that old saying, when mama's not happy, who's happy? Nobody. And that's straight up fact, I can tell you. It's not often that mama doesn't get happy at our house, but when she's not happy, uh, there's trouble. There's trouble. So it's good to keep us happy, and it's good for dad to be happy, and it's good for kids to be happy, and we want happy homes. And so this morning, I just want to uh, talk to you about that. Now, when I think of dating, it's that courtship that uh, happens Right before people get engaged. You know, that's normally that, that mental picture of dating. These two young kids meeting each other and going out and getting to know each other. Then they get engaged. Well, this morning, I'd like to talk to you about dating your spouse. Uh, I'm not speaking as an expert. I'm not an expert dater. Matter of fact, uh, let me share a little story of our first date with Jenny. Uh, I, admit, I, I, didn't, I really didn't like dating. I didn't want to spend my time or resources that way. Uh, growing up through high school and, and college. Uh, but uh, Jenny caught my eye. I remember uh, shortly after I met her, uh, and I just maybe met her once or twice at the most. She was in a class with me and worked with me one day, and I was in sh- her and her, her, uh, her roommate came over to my dorm, and we were standing down in the foyer of this dorm. And I looked over at my friend, and, I, and uh, as, as she was leaving, I said, that girl I'm going to marry, and he looked at me and went, yeah, right. I said, you watch. So, now this is the same guy that I told him who he was going to marry, and he did. So, he didn't believe me then either. He should start believing me, because I say things, and they happen. I did. I told him, you should you should date that girl. She's cool, and you guys like each other. And He said, oh, no, and he did, and he married her. they are been happy they're still married. Well, you know, so my first date, I, I had a great conversation with Jenny. We did a lot of laughing, and I mean, she was a great audience. I'm telling my, my jokes. I'm just going to town, just telling her stuff. She's laughing so hard. She's crying. You know, it was, it was like one of the best audiences I've ever had. You know, she laughs at me now, but it's not for the same reason. So I don't know. I don't even know what to do with all that. You know, sometimes it's hard not to take it personal. But, you know, you just go lick your wounds and move on. So, but uh, no, she actually, she's a great, great wife. And what a blessing she is to me. Well, we, we went out. Uh, I called her on the phone, and, and I asked her to go out. And I said, well... I said, are you allergic to anything? And she paused for quite a while, Threw through it for a loop. She said, uh, no, she said, I'm not. I said, well, good. I said, uh, all right, I'll pick you up on Friday. So, Gotwin picked her up at the dorm, took her out, and uh, I took her to the zoo, and we walked around the zoo. And had a great time, laughed a lot, and went, went and I started driving around town to go find the restaurant that I had been to. Now, let me tell you my restaurant experience. I am not a restaurant restaurateur. Uh, Gordon Ramsay has nothing to worry about when it comes to me. Uh, my background as a kid is uh, we went to, went once every about four years, we went to a smorgasbord. My dad loved those. And then when we dro- drove for our, va- our family vacation every year or two was down to Missouri or Tennessee, and the restaurants that dad would choose were the ones that did not have a name. He'd get really excited. If there were big red letters that said food or eat, he'd start immediately. He'd go, oh man, let's go. That looks like a good one. Oh man, I bet they got good food there. He loved those truck stops. So I don't know that really even had names outside of food or eat, but we always went to those 100% of the time. I remember looking at the little Stuckies. I don't know if you remember those or if they had those out here, the little blue. Some of you might remember those. Some of you remember Stuckies, that little blue box that would sit along the interstate, little tiny restaurant. I always look at those like, Oh, man, it would be so cool to go to one of those. Like it was like, like this big deal. And we never, I'd say, yeah, how about going to Stucky's? Oh, no, we're going over here. This is a good one. You know, they got food over there. It's really going to be good. <laughs> I'm like, okay. And he always left happy. He loved it. So he loved those truck stops. So needless to say, I did not have a lot of uh, even, uh, you know, over truck stop experience in food uh, in restaurants. So I remember going around in Springfield, and I went to this one restaurant with some friends, and I really liked it. And so Jenny and I drove a long time and I I couldn't remember exactly which strip mall it was in. And then finally I said, well, let's just go get something else and I'll take you over there next week if you'd like. And so we did. So I I think we went back to the dorm, got a little something, went back to the dorm, if we even got anything. And and I dropped her off. I said, well, I said, did you have a good time? She said, I did. I said, great, get out of my car. And, And she got out and we just laughed and she went on her way. We just had a nice time. And so we did end up going to that restaurant a week later. And the waitress came over, and, and she brought us some breadsticks. It was a nice little Italian restaurant. And uh, we're sitting there, and the waitress came over, and I really like their house salad. I'm not normally a salad guy, uh, especially back then. In college, I was a pizza guy, you know, college guys. And, uh, but I, I remember thinking, boy, that was a really good salad. So I thought, well, I, I want to definitely get that salad again. So she came over, and I ordered what I ha- got the last time because I liked it. And she said, okay, sir, she said, would you like a super salad? And I said, uh, "Well, what is that like? A really is that your house salad?" She said, "Yeah." I said, "It's like a really big one." She said, "Yeah, it's pretty good size." I said, "Okay, well, uh, that sounds good to me. I, I really liked that last time. I want that again." And Jenny leaned leaned over after the waitress took her order and walked away. She said, "She said, Do you want a soup or salad? Not a super salad.'" <laughs> I was excited. I thought she was going to bring me an even bigger version of that salad. I was I was in it so. You know, I'm not an expert dater. There's not going to be any Jeff Smith dating expertise class following the service. However, I believe the Bible has some great things to say about relationships and caring for your spouse and family. And we're going to talk about that this morning. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for these people. I just love this church. You've just brought so many cool, quality people to this place. And God, I just thank you for that. Lord, I pray today as we all just uh, listen together and I, and I share what you've given me about Marriage and family and relationships, period. This stuff carries not only into the spouse, but it carries into everything. Working relationships, friendships, raising kids, having family members, uh, parents, you know, all kinds of things. We have people we deal with every day. Lord, help us to, to reflect you. And Lord, I pray that you'll just help this sermon to sit in our hearts exactly what you have. Holy Spirit, you have something for each one of us. And I pray, God, whatever that is, that we'd each walk away with that thought in our heart. And we take that action this week. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Well, Jenny and I um, just got back from speaking at kids' camp in Eastern Oregon. And there were 160-some kids there with no moms hardly at all. So you can imagine the size of the lost and found pile. I mean, it's just this mountain. Every camp it happens. We've spoken at camps all over. And every time, doesn't matter if it's kids' camp or youth camp, there's big piles of stuff everywhere. Big lost and found And we were going through the lost and found pile at the camp. And, and, uh, you know, we're holding up things. And kids are coming and grabbing their stuff that they had already lost. It was only like two days in. And um, so they come through and they're grabbing their beach towel and stuff. And there was several pairs of underwear there. Boys underwear only, you know, of course. No way is the boys losing their underwear, you know. It's just no shame, I guess. So I I pick up one little white pair like this and I hold it up. And I'm like, and they're all, Oh! that's gross oh horrible i said somebody lost their underwear and there's more underwear down here is this anyone's underwear and nobody said anything i said i didn't think so but if you did think it might be you can it'll be up here so we do a couple more things a little boy comes sheepishly up to the front and he was a funny little guy you know kind of kind of just an interesting little character and he said he said uh pastor jeff he said i hate to say it but that's my underwear i'm fairly certain I said, well, okay. I picked him up. I said, are you sure these are yours? He said, yeah, those are mine. And I thought, man, that kid must have a tough mom. He was not going home without that underwear. <laughs> it was not going to happen. Oh, he was so cute. Well, you know, we've all been frustrated by losing something valuable to us. You know, um, this, uh, this uh, summer, Brianna, uh, for, or actually in the, in the spring, Brianna got a, a 3DS and Nintendo for her birthday with all the birthday money pulled together we scraped up and found one on a a big sale and we got one of those 3ds's used and so it was really cool and so we had it maybe a week or two and we went camping and they had the dogs they took the dogs out to the to the field to to go do their thing and they came back and they realized it was it was dusk almost completely dark and and they realized oh no where's the where's the game system so we're, we're walking around with flashlights all up and down that field, back and forth, back and forth, trying to find it. Never was able to find it. So the kids decided, hey, I said, uh, we got to get this thing back. I said, this thing's new. It's a lot of money, and I'm not replacing it. You know, we're, we're just out of luck if we don't get it. So they decided to make some signs. So they made a couple signs. One they hung on the tree out in front of our, of our, little, our uh, little camper, and then they hung one down at the clubhouse where you went to go check in. And early the next day, knock, 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 Somebody came, and they brought it back, and it was a huge thing. What a relief. Isn't it great when stuff like that happens? I remember another time going to Six Flags. I had a camera one day, brand new camera, bought it, $200 one. It was big bucks back then. It was a really cool one with all kinds of features. I was all excited about it. This Samsung camera that I bought that I lo- I was just thrilled about and had it for two days, sat it on the bottom of our cart. Somebody had it, and they sat on the bottom of our cart and walked away, and it never showed up again. We called and called and called. We've had those experiences where you lost something and it was found and you had the joy and you've lost something and it's just a bummer. We've all had that. Well, this morning, I want to talk about an unbelievable loss today. Somebody, today's Bible passage is a a story about losing some extremely precious cargo. So let's talk about that. Number one, uh, busyness will cause you to lose focus on what's most important. Now, that is not a rocket science statement. You know, nobody sat there and went, Wow, that Jeff's profound. That was amazing. Write that down, write that down. You know, nobody's thinking that. It's just a true statement, though. Busyness will cause you to lose focus on what's important, most important. Life is busy. We must be careful to set and guard our priorities. If we don't set those priorities and guard them, someone or something's going to get cheated. It's just fact. Let's look at our text uh, this morning in Luke 2:41, and we're going to go to 49, but this first part we're going to go to verse 44. It says, every year Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. So this was a yearly thing. When Jesus was 12 years old, they attended the festival as usual. After the celebration was over, they started home to Nazareth, but Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents didn't miss him at first because they assumed he was among the other travelers. But when he didn't show up that evening, they started looking for him among their relatives and friends. These are not your average run-of-the-mill parents. These parents, God himself chose to entrust his one and only son. Mary and Joseph lost precious cargo. They got caught up hanging with friends and family. All the excitement of the event that they just finished and they thought that they were with he thought it was around he was with friend the oldest son walking around you know well they just forgot to bring along the son of god no pressure <laughs> you know just the savior of the world no big deal you know it's not no 3DS that's for sure you know can you imagine knowing that you're entrusted with the son of god and you've been walking for a day with this huge group, and then you realize, you guys start settling down for that, and you realize, oh man, where's Jesus at? I don't know, I didn't see him. When did you see him last? I saw him the other day, you know. And you know how that is. When you have multiple kids, bad things happen. They just do. How many have multiple kids? How many agree that sometimes just bad things happen with multiple kids? It just does. Things happen. Yeah, you know, I've got four kids. Sometimes you're just dumbfounded how they even happen, but they just happen. You know, well, you know, So here they are. They got busy. Now for those of you who want to judge Mary and Joseph and say, oh, they were horrible parents. We should call DCFS on them. You know, look, I got a lot of kids, so I know that, you know, it's just their yearly event. They're going to the Passover. The the trip from their hometown to Nazareth was 80 miles. It was a three-day walk. After seven days of celebrating, they picked up and headed to that big caravan of people to go back those those three days, and walked those 80 miles. Well, you can imagine there's a lot of things going on when you're packing up. All that stuff that you got from Jerusalem, all those things, and you got all your friends there, and you're busy, and they just lost track of them. They walked off the full day, and then they discovered, I'm not certain about how that all went down, but I would guess that there might have been some tension in the air, you know, when, and there might have been some feelings of embarrassment and fear and frustration. You know, that's the feelings I have when we lose a kid. You know, it happens. Bad things happen when you got multiple kids. Just how it goes. Stressful times will arise. The time we spend building relationships are critical to our marriage, marriage's happiness and success. When stress levels rise, so do tensions and unkind thoughts and actions. You know, I don't go around saying mean things to my wife Most of the time, 99% of the time, I'd say. But there are those moments where we're under great stress and we're circling the highway for the sixth time in that loop, trying to find our way lost to get somewhere, and she's holding the map, and I'm driving like this because I know I could find it if I only had that map. And sometimes you just say stuff. Now, I'm not saying over-the-stop stuff. You know, I'm not calling her names and stuff, but sometimes you just get get a little snippy. You ever been snippy? You've been snippy most people have been snippy it happens you know it just happens so i'm sure there was some tension in that moment with mary and joseph you know realizing that now life can become very busy and a perceptual a perpetual series of to-do lists i was talking to somebody this morning and he said he said man you look tired today he said i am tired today he said i had a huge honeydew list that i had to do we all have those lists You know, and I'm certain many parents can relate to losing or forgetting a kid. But you know, one of the times that I lost a kid was we went camping, and actually lost three of them at once. So at least they were together. (laughs) Misery loves company. They didn't even know they were lost. You know, like the story. So we're we're at the campground by sisters, and you know I'm getting things ready. I'm cooking dinner, and I'm like, where are the girls? You know, where are they at? And Josiah's there, and and uh I think Brianna might have been where with us blowing bubbles but the, no she was with them too and they had the three kids and Brianna was a couple years younger so she's about 6 so you know you get more paranoid the younger your kid is you're just worried about where they're at and so you know about 15 minutes go by I'm walking around the campground area where we're at and so then finally I get in the car and I'm driving up and down we're in a camping cabin on the other I'm driving up and down through all the trailers really slow looking trying to see if I can see if they met another kid or if something's going on. I'm just worried, you know, what's going on. So finally, I did that for several minutes. It felt like hours. It wasn't, but it felt like hours. And finally, then I, I decided, well, I'm just going to go back and see, see if Jenny knows anything else. And so I go back, and the girls are there. I said, "Where? you guys have been gone for over an hour. Where have you been? I've been looking all over the place for you. Oh, we were in the bathroom. It is really nice in there, Dad. They got couches. It's like a five-star hotel. We're just hanging out in there playing games and relaxing. You should see it. It's amazing. They got marble on the walls. They got this really cool sink. It is so beautiful. And then I went to the men's, and it is pretty impressive. I was pretty shocked. It wasn't a campground bathroom. It was like a hotel. But it was just weird. You You know, who would think to go look for the girls hanging out in the bathroom, you know? Only at churches do we make, like, these areas. We don't have one here, but a lot of the churches I worked at, in the women's room, they had this seating area, and it was supposed to be for nursing moms, but I never saw any of those go in there and stay. And they just sit in there and chit, 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 you know. It's like a hangout spot. You know, I don't know what it is about women in the bathroom. I'm wanting to get in there and get out and get to the next thing, you know. I got things to do My to-do list. All right. We have to establish our priorities. We've already started talking about that. Someone or something's going to get cheated, I mentioned. So it seems like that's just how life's going to work. In this this story, you know, they got busy and Jesus got cheated. He got left behind. You know, and I know there's some some pretty significant stories that I've heard parents tell that are humorous, but we're not funny at the moment at all about forgetting kids at gas stations or rest shops or whatever, you know, those things happen. Or uh, thinking people got in the car and they didn't and taken off. But sometimes we can get so focused on the immediate that we lose focus on what's really important. Look at this scripture. Proverbs 21, five in the message, and the message is not a direct translation, but it's a great paraphrase, and it, and it frames some things of good thought, and I liked how he framed, how this is framed here, but if you read it in the other versions, it's very close to this, but I like how he framed it. It says, careful planning puts you ahead in the long run. Hurry and scurry puts you farther behind. Now, I don't know about you, but I am an expert in the hurry and scurry category, you know, I know how to do that one really well. You know, that, that just running, scurrying, grabbing stuff real quick, and then throw it in the car and go. You know. But there's been days where I've had to take three trips back to the store because I forgot something and I had to go back twice. And it wasn't because I was working on a project. I just literally had forgotten, didn't take a list. How many of you ever went to the store to get one thing, leave there with a hundred and something dollars worth of stuff, and then get home and go, oh, man, I forgot. I didn't even get the thing I went to go get. Yeah, that happened to me. It's not pleasant, you know, it's a bad feeling. And then you're like, why did I buy all this stuff? All I needed was this thing. Why do I have all this other stuff? You know, things happen. You need to make your family a high priority. That's my challenge, that's your challenge. I often people, hear people say their priorities are this, God, their spouse, their kids, then maybe their friends or work or whatever, and the list goes on from there about what their priorities are. Look at your calendar. If you pulled that out and you looked at it, does it reflect your intent of what your priorities are? You think, you know, am I making ample time for those top three things? Are you as careful to protect God, spouse, and kids as you are an appointment with work or with your friends? I have to ask that myself and reflect upon that. It's a good place for all of us to pause. You know, we wouldn't think about skipping out on this, on our weekly, you know, rook game or whatever, you know, with our friends. But you know, our wife, we're tired and it's our date night and we say, oh yeah, honey, let's just forget it. I'm just too tired. You know, we we, we let ourselves out on that stuff. We need to go anyway. We need to spend time together. Spend time with our kids too and do things with them. I'd like to Parker for just a moment and say this. If you're married, I want you to seriously consider taking the date night challenge next month. One of the most important things you can do is spend quality time investing in your spouse. I want you to invest in your spouse, to care for your spouse, talk to them. On a regular basis, consider setting appointments in your week for your wife and kids. The best investment you can make in your marriage is to spend time alone with your spouse enjoying life. The University of Virginia did a study on the on the value of married couples spending time together on dates and the impact it has had on their relationship. The study also showed that married couples who dated once a week or more were happier with their communication, sexual satisfaction, and commitment to each other. So this study is what was a catalyst for this date night challenge and these have happened in Chicago. I think Tampa Bay, Florida, there's been some, and a couple other places, and they're, they're going across the country, and churches are pairing together. We're not doing this alone. This is a Portland community church-wide event. And also, if you look in that insert on your bulletin, in your bulletin there that looks just like this, um, you know, you got the stuff on the apps and that, and there's also a, a fight night relationship thing, and, and that's with uh, Lee and Leslie Parrott, and they are really great Christians who've been around a long time and who've helped a lot of couples, and so, you know, I looked on, the, on my shelf in my office and I had a book, Love Talks, I think it was, or Love Speaks, that was from them. Um, and the, the kit that they sent had it, more stuff from them. They're a good couple, so that's going to be a great time. So if you can make that on your calendar as one of your date nights, I bet it would be well worth your time. There's an article about, from USA Today, about the idea of dates, having date nights. A report about date nights, I'm going to read it to you. A report about date nights suggests that couples who devote time to each other at least once a week are more likely to have higher levels of communication, sexual satisfaction, and commitment than couples who don't have this kind of time alone. The Date Night Opportunity Report from the National Marriage Project analyzed data on -on one-on-one couple time and found that wives who spend couple time with their husbands at least once a week, men listen to this, are three and a half times more likely to enjoy above average sexual levels of satisfaction compared to wives who have less than once a week couple time. Husbands report similar results. What happens outside the bedroom seems to matter a lot for what happens inside the bedroom as well, says co-author Bradford Wilcox, a sociologist who directs the project at the University of Virginia. Couple time and generosity and commitment all create a context where both partners, maybe particularly women, are more likely to have sex and enjoy it. The data also shows that married men and women who have couple time at least three times weekly were three and a half times more likely to report being very happy in their marriages compared to those who spent less time alone with their, ma- with their mates. Chris Petticord, 49, of Palm Beach Gardens, Florida, and his wife Trish will be married 24 years next month. He's 48, she's 48 and he's 49. He says that their couple time became non-existent after their daughter's birth 10 years ago. He said this, we've had years of not having children, and once we had our daughter, everything revolved around her and spending time with her. And we were grateful we had a child. We pretty much took her everywhere. That's until they recognized, and he says this, when my daughter grows up, it's going to be only us, the two of us, he says. The fact of the matter is, if we don't discuss, focus on relationship, it doesn't grow and it gets stagnant. Petticord says that it's easy for a married life to get routine. When you're dating, you're doing, this, doing things and having fun and thinking about that person, he says. Then life happens. You get so consumed in the daily activities of work, the bills, all the things that cause the honeymoon to be over, so to speak. And you forget about the needs of the other person. You forget about dating and all the things that got you together as a couple. Dating your spouse is preventative maintenance. My cars both were in the shop. Matter of fact, to get to camp, I had to borrow my mechanic's vehicle. That's how bad it was. Both of our cars went belly up. On the way to the church camp out, the one overheated, and the other one prior to that I had in the shop and he was checking the transmission and it had to be replaced. So, you know, but I, I do my preventative maintenance. Why do that? Because number one, the insurance will cover it when they when there's something wrong. But number two is because you want the car to run. You want it to keep going. You want it to be in good condition. And you want to reduce the odds of things going wrong. Preventative maintenance is important. Dating is preventative maintenance for you as a couple. While you're out with your spouse, focus on the audience of one. Put your cell phones away, put away your iPads or all your diddly dots, you know, whatever you got that you play around with, your notepad, whatever you're, you're doing, put it away, put the menu down and quit doing the crossword puzzle on it, you know, you're not going to care whether number 13 across was this and this later. You are going to care about the quality time you have spent talking with your spouse, don't spend the whole time talking about your kids. That's easy to do. I mean, I've got 4 kids. We could spend hours just dialoguing kids. Don't don't do that. Spend time communicating to your spouse how special they are to you. Speak positive words to them. Dream together. Talk about your hopes and your future together. Hey, I'm not perfect. There is no perfect spouse, I'm definitely not a perfect spouse, but I'm trying all the time to get better. Now, there was a panel of women that were put together several years ago, and they debated on who they thought was the perfect man. Now, you'd have thought it would have been a famous actor or or a philanthropist, somebody who was really wealthy, you know, um, but the final conclusion to this panel was the perfect man, in their estimation, was actually Mr. Potato Head. Their reasoning was he's tan, he's cute, he knows the importance of accessorizing, and if he just looks at another girl, you can rearrange his face. <laughs> Number two, recognize there is a problem and alter your course. Luke two, forty four B through forty-five says But when they saw when he didn't show up that evening, they started looking for him among the relatives and friends, and when they couldn't find him. They went back to Jerusalem to search for him there. So he wasn't around. What did they do? Did they go, oh yeah, he'll catch up. No, they had to alter course. They had to correct course and go back. Recognize there's a problem and alter your course. When Mary and Joseph did that, they went back to to Jerusalem. And there are times in life when we need to alter our course. It's wise to make an assessment of your life and marriage. If you recognize that something in your marriage or family is out of balance... Do not keep doing what you're currently doing because it's not working. Change course. Mary and Joseph had to turn around and find Jesus. Psalm 25, 8 says, The Lord is good and does what is right. He shows the proper path to those who go astray. So if you're feeling like things aren't quite lining up the way they should be in your marriage or in your family, pray, rely on God, and let him show you the right course. In the next couple of weeks, we're going to have an insert in the bulletin for a free couple checkup that was on that video. This is normally $30, and that's, that's legit. They're not just making that up. It's, if you went there today, you'd have to pay $30 to, to do it. But through our church and, and the information on that insert during the month of August, and it will also go through September, but you only have to do it once, you'll be able to take that assessment for free using our code that we'll put in the bulletin. Take advantage of this opportunity. This is a great tool to help check the pulse of your marriage yesterday after we got back from camp i went over to work on this sermon and i decided i wanted to take that and ask jenny to take it so i i set us all up you know it took me about you know five minutes to set us up and get us a a username and password and then uh, i went through and did the the man's side for about 10-15 minutes and i called jenny and said hey could you go through and do your side of this i'd like to see and then we went out to lunch together after that and we went through it together I told her that in looking at the results of this, if it was a contest about who could be happier, I would win. But that's not very good news for me. That means that there's things that I've got to look at and work on that she's not gelling with or that I see differently than she does. And so we had some great discussions in the park, sitting over there, eating our subway, you know, just chit-chatting about our marriage and about these things. We did a couple checkup, and it was great. It brought off some things we probably wouldn't have talked about. There wasn't any bickering or fighting. It was just a good, honest discussion. Honest discussions are great, and they don't have to be fights. You can discuss things without making it a fight. How you phrase things either puts people on edge or feels comfortable. So pray before you have a discussion. Let God help you. And that's true in every relationship in life. How, frame, how we frame things is important. So Mary and Joseph were in this moment of stress. The oldest child had come up missing, and we all have those moments. And if you're feeling tension, you need to talk about it and pray about it. If you don't spend time together, you may not know that your spouse is not happy about something, that, about something and you don't know that you have a problem. Because if they're not happy, you have a problem. If your husband's not happy, you have a problem. If your wife's not happy, you have a problem. If you discover there's an area of tension, pray together and God will help you get back on track. Communication is so vital. The best way to cause dissension in your marriage is to let your mind assume or make up your spouse's responses to a discussion. Don't assume you already know what your spouse will do or say. At times you'll be surprised. And you definitely won't have a chance to be surprised if you've already made up your mind about it. You already had the whole discussion in your head. You figured out what well, you're going to say, then he'll say this, da-da-da, or vice versa, I'll say this, she'll say that. You go through. If you're doing that, you're, you're not being fair. Don't do it. You've got to take a fresh approach. Pray about it first and ask God to give you wisdom on how to approach the subject. How you approach a subject will dictate how the discussion will go. Proverbs 3, 5-6 through 6 says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in everything you do and he'll show you which path to take. You made a commitment to God to keep your spouse above all others. Don't make family first just a cute slogan. You've committed to each other and to God that you will be priority to each other. Just below your commitment to him. Your family's too valuable to let jobs Sports, gaming councils, hobbies, Facebook, the internet, television, or anything else intrude on what's the most important to you. Number three, don't overlook the obvious. Look at these verses. So this is the last part of this story. So they turn around and go back, and then when his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, son, why have you treated us this way? Now you could tell there was some tension coming into that conversation. They were worried, they were anxious, they were concerned. He was lost in their mind. Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me, he asked. Didn't you know I would be in my father's house? Mary and Joseph had to go right back to where they started to find Jesus. Jesus. In Jesus' opinion, he wasn't lost or hiding from them. He was at his father's house. He thought it should have been obvious to them where he would be found. The answer to our marriage is obvious as well. We can find it right back where we started in our vows. Look at this together on the screen. It says, I, then you put your name in there. You said it. Take you and you said your spouse's name to be my, you said, husband or wife. You said a variation of this. I promise to be true to you in good times and in bad. In sickness and in health, I will love and honor you all the days of my life. You said something just about like that. Now maybe you wrote your own vows or you used a version of that, but that's what you said. Go back to where that is. Love and honoring your spouse needs to be the foundation of your relationship. All the days of your life. You lead by example. You know, your kids are watching. Ugh. Your kids are watching. Isn't that awful when they do something that you know you do and it made you upset that they did it? Pick up the good things. Don't pick that up. But you know our kids are watching us. What example are you setting if you're a mom how your son or daughter's going to view their spouse? If you're a dad, how you're treating your, your, their mom is going to set how they treat their spouse or how they perceive the spouse is supposed to be treated. You are setting up your kids' for success or poor success. Even if you're not married to their parent anymore, if you're spending your time griping about their mother or father, you're not helping that kid. Even if they are a jerk. Some of them are. Doesn't mean you you just can't do it. Keep that to yourself or keep it amongst yourself and your friend, but don't bring your kid in on that. Show respect. We want to teach our kids to respond with love and honor. We've all heard the old phrase, action speaks louder than words. You know that, uh, that phrase the Bible talks about that? doesn't say that exact phrase, but it's in there. Let's look at it. Matthew seven eighteen to 20 talks about action speaking louder than words. A good tree can't produce bad fruit. And a bad tree can't produce good fruit. So every tree that doesn't produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. If you've not been treating your family as the priority you desire, today's a great day to start. Reset. Reset your priorities. Every so often I have to go to my computer after it's been on for several days and turn it all the way off and then turn it back on again. Because I want it to run faster. Because there's stuff that gets stored up in the memory there that I don't need anymore, and it's just clogging up my computer. There's things I've searched on the internet. There's things that I've, I've uh, programs that I've opened that I don't need anymore because I'm not using that, and all those things, put little things that reside in the memory, and slow your computer down. Sometimes we need the same thing. We need a fresh reboot. We need to quit worrying about all the things that we were doing before and focus on what's coming ahead. Don't live under constant stress. In life, it's good to reboot. I choose not to get slowed down by mistakes and injustices that have happened to me in the past. I choose to remember the good and discount the bad. Colossians 3.13 says, Make allowances for each other's faults. And forgive anyone who offends you. That's a tough thing. Make allowances for each other's faults. Forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. I can't change the past, but I certainly can influence the future. If you've been living through the filter of your, spouse, your spouse's past mistakes, let it go. Start fresh. Don't try to hold on to the old baggage that's weighing you down. That's the same, if you keep harping and looking at the past you're going to get nothing more but that in the future. If you believe for better things, you might get better things. If you speak better things, you're going to get better things. I remember I was out with my son and we were uh, this week and I had been talking uh, well about uh, something and, and he just turned to me and he said, boy boy, that thing's really nice. Isn't that really cool? You know He just repeated to me what I had said. Once I said something positive, he goes, oh, yeah, that is nice. Oh, yeah. And then he starts, and then it's his idea. Oh, boy, this is nice. You know? So believe better for your spouse, and you'll probably get better. Speak positively, and it might get more positive. Live with hope. 1 Corinthians 3.17 says, love never gives up. Hmm. never loses faith. It's always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. Love is pretty tough. Now I know relationships are complex. I'm not downplaying the complexity of your relationships. But I can guarantee if you want different results in your marriage, you can't get them by having the same expectations of yourself and by doing the same things the same way. Expectations of yourself have to change. You can't keep doing things the same way and get different results. Prepare for a better future. Speak words of hope, not blame. Words of encouragement, not frustration. Function as if you believe better days are ahead. Function as if you believe better days are ahead. Say that with me. Function as if you believe better days are ahead. Hmm, that's a great challenge for me. Am I, am I sitting back here thinking, yeah, we're never going to fix that? Or am I functioning as better days are ahead? 2 Corinthians 13, 11 says, Dear brothers and sisters, I close my letter with these last words. Be joyful, grow to maturity, encourage one another, live in harmony and peace. Then the God of peace and love will be with you. When you're heading in the wrong direction, stop. I've heard people say this, that they've grown apart. You know what? You haven't grown apart. You've stopped growing. You've stagnated. You can grow apart. The truth is that your spouse has been there all along and you've allowed separation, physical and emotional, to take root. Then you get to a place where you don't even know how to find your spouse to regroup. That's where you need to date. We've got to continue to date. Preventative maintenance. You want to grow together. Find each other each step of the way. That won't happen if we, if we spend time together. We talk about stuff. We're honest and open. Your spouse has been physically there the whole time, but you've allowed yourselves to separate emotionally. And then sometimes that was a result of that physically. It's not too late. Stop what you're doing and go back to the roots of your vows. Don't ever let your mind wander to greener pastures. If you want greener pastures, start fertilizing and watering your own lawn. Quit looking over the fence at the other guys and just start plowing some water on your own. You start talking positively about your wife and how pretty she is. It's amazing how much prettier she gets. How much more she wants to look better and how much more you begin to believe that. Greener pastures. If you want your husband to work harder around the house encourage him when he does something and say how much you appreciate that instead of giving them the next thing on the list. Saying, yeah, that was great, but you know, this big hole in the wall over here has been here for three years. <laughs> Go get some spackle yourself. Just joking. Water and fertilize your own lawn. James three seventeen eighteen 18 says, but the wisdom from above is first of all pure. It's also peace-loving, gentle at all times, and willing to yield to others. Full of mercy and good deeds. It shows no favoritism. It's always sincere. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. Show your family that they're important, particularly your spouse. Put down your cell phones. Dream together. Reminisce. Verbalize your love. Invest in your spouse. Love each other with genuine affection. Have each other's back. Take time to honor each other. The two are one. Remember that. The arm rubber your glue principle does not apply. The two are one. It all sticks to you. You're nothing but a bunch of glue. Speak highly of your spouse. Treat them well, and people will think highly of you. When you're blasting your spouse in public or on Facebook, people think less of you. They don't think, oh yeah, I'm glad you got that dig in. <laughs> Hope the couch is comfortable. Think about yourself as a mirror to your spouse, of your spouse. When people gaze upon your spouse through what you are reflecting, what do they see? Romans twelve ten to 12 says, Love each other with genuine affection and always take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. Boy, those are great words to live by. Be patient in trouble, honoring each other with genuine affection. Be a person of patience with your spouse and children. Pray for God to give you wisdom as you work hard and serve Him and each other. Now some of you are sitting there and going, Pastor, that was fine, all dandy for the married folks. But none of that applied to me. Let me tell you, 100% of that applied to you. Because everything I just said to spouses goes to coworkers. It goes to people you are in your neighborhood. It goes to your mom, your dad, your brother, your sister, your cousins. It goes to everyone you're around. All those principles, we should do them more for our spouse than anyone else, but we should do them all the, all, all the time. That was a message for everybody, not just married folk. So put that in your heart. God's Word has some brilliant stuff in it. Man, isn't it cool that we can come together and just read it out loud and think about it and go, yeah, I want to do better. Live, live pe- be people of hope. Don't live in the past. I don't want to live in the past. I don't want to sit and stew about whether or not I had it good enough when I was a kid and whether I should have went to fancy restaurants more or, you know, or should have at least got to go to Stuckey's once, you know. <laughs> That's no place to live. Look ahead. The future's bright if you let it be. It doesn't mean problems aren't going to come. The Bible says, Jesus said, you're going to have problems. In this life, you're going to have trouble. But he said he's going to navigate it with you. He's going to help you.